This is Lilac Wine, the podcast. On our last episode, the news of the event aboard the Sydney traveled quickly through Lily Springs. People believe that Robert had murdered somebody. His face all beaten up. He was visited by Tom, the town constable, and truly began to regret ever coming to Lily Springs. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please do so. I am releasing this novel in progress one chapter at a time, and I don't want you to miss anything. It was the summer of 1917. As America prepares to shed her blood on a distant shore, two lonely people are brought together by fate, torn apart by war, consecrated by wine. Lilac wine. Lilac Wine. Chapter 17. Abelia had learned much from Rima Reniger, not just how to make gazpacho. From Rima, she learned about the healing nature of herbs and flowers. She learned which plants were poisonous and which poisonous plants could be made medicinal by merely adding another herb or flower. She learned how to set bones and deal with scrapes and abrasions. After all, Rima's husband often boxed on the weekends and on many occasions had come home with swollen limbs, near-broken ribs, black eyes, and cuts. In fact, Heinrich was a much better brewer than boxer. He was very popular and over the Rhine, however. After bouts, he would often accompany his fans, sometimes carried heroically on their shoulders, to the local pub to down pints of his own brew. Whether he won or not was immaterial. It was really about the celebratory beers. When Rima returned for Spain, she left Abelia the collection of old medicinal tomes that she often consulted for her knowledge. These books, Rima stated with her typical dramatic flair, have been passed down from my great-grandmother's mother. Take good care of them. Abelia smiled when she cracked the books and noticed that they were written in English. Rima winked knowingly and patted the girl on the head. It was those books that Abelia had digested over the years, poring over every page and handwritten note in the margins. As a result, she was able to distinguish comfrey from the poisonous foxglove, knew how to make a red clover tea to aid in conception, and produced a very popular basil-infused headache remedy that Ellie was worried would take away business from her husband's pharmacy. Ellie had once even complained to Gerald about this, but was forced to give up when boxes of the light green elixir failed to materialize from Abelia's two-story farmhouse. Never during this time did she once ask Abelia if she could sell the elixir in the store. She just wanted to keep Abelia out of the pharmaceutical industry. Due to her success with plants, it was unavoidable that Abelia was sometimes consulted for her knowledge when it came to those seeking basic remedies. People didn't like to admit this, however, and were only willing to talk to her when they desperately wanted something. And then, when she provided the necessary balm or ointment, she would be left alone until the next crisis, whether a colicky child or a downed postal carrier. 
Doc Foster often came to her, but sometimes did so on the sly, as a handful of people in Lily Springs were still unsure whether or not Obelia possessed some otherworldly powers of a dark nature. Plus, most people in Lily Springs would rather not face the wrath of Ellie, who, even after all these years, still saw Abelia as competition. Black eyes were nothing new to Abelia, but she sure wasn't expecting to see one when Robert came around the following afternoon delivering the mail and newspapers. Oh my, she said, what happened to you? She had known that something had happened. Rose made sure to tell her before retiring the night before. In fact, Rose walked to Abelia's porch, which was something she rarely did. Often, she just shouted down from her open window if she wanted to talk to Abelia. But this was very important, or so she stated. Something about a murder on a steamer, and Robert was the main suspect. Be careful of him, she warned Abelia in a subdued voice. I may no longer sit on the bench when he comes around. He's from Chicago, you know. She didn't believe Rose then, but wasn't expecting to see Robert like this. In fact, she had been waiting for Robert and was surprised when she caught herself feeling a little anxious in anticipation. She had checked the clock a couple of times as it was past the normal hour he arrived with the post. He smiled. You should have seen me the other day. <laughs> Much worse. At least I have all my teeth. He handed her the two papers and pointed to a small story on the front page of the Monday Telegraph Herald. Fight aboard steamer to escape, read the headline. She took the paper and skimmed the story. It wasn't more than a few lines long, but it detailed a fight aboard the SS Sydney. The ship was grounded for a day. Two people were held briefly and released. Two of the participants, it is believed, reside in Lily Springs, she read out loud. One said not to be from the area. Robert pointed to himself. Must be me, Abelia continued reading. No further information is available at this time. Streckfist Steamers has yet to comment. She looked up at Robert. Are you okay? Robert nodded. Can't see very well out of my eye, as... You could tell, big bruise on my side, but other than that, I couldn't be better, he laughed. It's actually been a quiet morning. People have been avoiding me. Even Ellie was quiet for a change. What happened? They moved to the comfort of her back porch as Robert told her the story. Why they did it, I don't know, he said upon completing the tale. How's Billy? Robert shrugged. Fine, I guess. I haven't seen him since. Abelia leaned forward for a closer look at his eye. Let me give you something for that. It'll make it heal faster. Before Robert could protest, Abelia was in her kitchen, pulling down ceramic jars and glass bottles. I don't want to impose, Robert called out. After a moment, she flew from the kitchen, shears in hand. Don't be silly, she stated with a smile. After all, I am Clara Barton of Plants. Robert reminded her as she disappeared into the garden. After a few moments, she came back with a bunch of yellow and gold flowers. And sometimes people, too, she stated, noticing the quizzical look on Robert's face as he glanced down to the bundle in her hands. Without stopping, she stated matter-of-factly, marigolds and arnica, as she disappeared into her kitchen again. A minute later, she reappeared with a glass of lemonade. Here, 
she said, placing it on the table. It was a whirlwind. Robert had never seen Abelia so active. He sipped the lemonade, smiling when he recognized the now familiar hint of rose petals. A few minutes later, she returned with a small dish, which she placed on the table in front of him. A distinct yellow flower sat on top of a dollop of golden paste. It's an arnica and marigold salve, used to help bruises heal better. Robert picked it up. Where did you learn this? He asked, putting the bowl up under his nostrils. It smelled of flowers and honey. I grew up next to a boxer who often came home with similar wounds, she replied, and his wife was very good with plants and medicine, taught me everything I know. Robert looked down at the dish, unsure what to do with the salve. He dipped the finger into the warm ointment and proceeded to dab it under his eye. Rub it in gently, Abelia instructed. Although warm to the touch, the ointment felt cool on his bruised skin. He kept his one eye tightly closed as he applied another fingertip. I'm not sure I'm getting it all. Can you? He asked, hesitantly pushing the dish towards Abelia. She was caught off guard. After all, she had merely made it for him to take home and apply himself. Her heart picked up a beat. Okay, Robert, if you want me to, she replied and immediately realized that she had used his formal name. It was the first time. In fact, everything she had been taught regarding proper etiquette had been thrown out the door the moment Robert had stepped foot in her garden a couple of weeks ago. She didn't care, of course. At least that's what she always told herself. After all, her life had always been a bit unconventional. But such lessons are hard to give up. Thanks, Robert replied. Abelia moved forward, trying to keep an appropriate distance between them as she rubbed two fingers across his bruised skin, the ointment leaving glistening trails as the scent of marigolds and arnica hung lightly in the air. Her heart was beating a little faster now. Robert closed both eyes and inhaled deeply. The scent had a comforting effect on him, even though he too noticed a change in his chest. The feel of Abelia's delicate fingers on his face was comforting, warm like the breath he felt on his cheek. As Abelia gently massaged her ointment into Robert's skin, time slowed. The garden sounds seemed to grow louder, more pronounced. The birds flitted in the air, and the bees buzzed among the flowering bushes at the base of the porch. With Robert's eyes closed, Abelia took the opportunity to study his face. His sandy hair hung gently over his forehead, unconstrained by the pomades used by most men in town. His nostrils flared slightly with every breath. His temples pulsed with every beat of his heart. She studied the pattern of hair that rimmed his brow and noticed faint freckles dotting his cheek, so faint that she hadn't noticed before when overpowered by the light of the sun or the shade of the porch, but undeniable at this distance. He was handsome, that was for sure, and this realization caused her embarrassment or guilt. It had been ages since she had looked at another man in such a way, and doing so like this felt a bit improper. 
Pulling her hand quickly away as if she had been caught doing something she shouldn't have been doing, she wiped her hands on her apron. All done, she stated. Thanks, Robert said, opening his eyes. Abelia had taken a step back, hands now on her hips. She smiled, nervously. Put some more on tonight before bed and again tomorrow morning. You'll be better in a couple of days. What's in this again? Robert asked, picking up the dish. Marigolds and arnica. I crushed the flowers and mixed them into a base of beeswax and honey. She pointed to the flowers lying in the dish. That's arnica. It smells nice. Abelia nodded. The marigolds help with the bruising, and the arnica actually helps with the pain and reduces some of the swelling. There was a pause. Then she continued, I usually heat the flowers in some oil and create an infusion. Didn't have time, but this should work just as well. All the same, I appreciate it, Robert replied, standing. He picked up the dish in one hand and swung his empty mail bag over his shoulder. I've never heard of Arnica before. Not that that should surprise you or anything. I don't know much about flowers anyway. Abelia smiled. Arnica is a type of sunflower, a little smaller than the ones you're used to seeing, I imagine. Been used in medicine for centuries. Robert stepped from the porch. I'll return the dish, he said, and walked to the gate, Abelia following behind. Didn't see Rose today on the bench, Robert said. Abelia looked up and saw a shadow moving Rose's upstairs window. She's home, said Abelia. I'm sure she'll be there tomorrow. She didn't have the heart to tell him that Rose was now afraid of him, and if she had been on the bench, that black eye would have been enough to confirm to Rose that Robert was, in fact, a murderer, or worse. Robert turned towards Abelia as he swung open the gate. I meant to ask, he said, looking down to his feet. Abelia couldn't tell if it were nerves or just a way to shield his eyes from the sun. Are you going to the big Fourth of July celebration Wednesday? Every year, Ellie and others in town put together a celebration in the town triangle for Independence Day, and each year it seemed attendance became more and more sparse, which was understandable, as the town seemed to shrink every year. Abelia actually hadn't attended in years, but Ellie was talking it up this year. Supposedly, the band was learning new songs, which didn't mean much as all of their songs sounded the same, but now with the United States and the war, Ellie was hoping to get a better turnout. She had even been hinting at a surprise this year. I think you should come, Abby, Ellie had said to Abelia on her last trip to the pharmacy a few weeks ago. Haven't seen you there in a while. We've got some fireworks and something special this year. Abelia raised a skeptical eyebrow as Ellie was prone to exaggeration when promoting events for the town. No, really? she said, handing Abelia her box of Lux soap and bottle of Watkins Mulsified Coconut Oil Shampoo wrapped in a brown bag. But I can't say anything more. It's hush, hush. Abelia grabbed the bag, but Ellie was not quick to let go. She leaned forward and spoke in hushed tones. It's a special guest, she whispered. That's all I'm going to say. Robert rested an arm on the gate, his body straddling the threshold of the garden. Ellie told me that this is going to be the best 4th of July this town has ever seen. She says that every year, Abelia replied. Ah, oh, come on. What else is there to do in this town? He asked playfully. 
his large grin a contrast to his bloated eye. Plus, I still don't know too many people here. Abelia laughed. I think you know just about everybody. You've seen them more than I have lately, that's for sure. Which is all the more reason for you to come. Abelia smiled. Maybe. That's good enough. I'll be looking for you. As Robert closed the gate, he smiled. Thanks again for the salve, Abelia. It feels better already. You're welcome, she said softly, for the first time in a long time, liking the sound of her name. She stood there at the gate and watched the young man walk down the stone path to the street, where he stopped for a brief moment. After a smile and a wave, he was gone. But Abelia stood, her eyes fixed in that general direction, but focused on nothing in particular. A rather loud cough pulled her back. She looked up to the window and could see Rose's silhouette in the shadow of the upper room. It's okay, Rose, she called out. He's gone. Rose soon poked her head from behind the red curtain. I'd be careful if I were you, she said, her eyes darting towards the road, no doubt worried Robert would make another appearance. You see that eye of his? Nothing but trouble, I tell you. Abelia turned her eyes back to the road and stated under her breath to no one in particular. I think you're right about that, Rose. What was that? Rose asked. Nothing, replied Abelia as she turned back to the garden. Just commenting on what a nice day it's become. So we had to take a break for a week because I came down with bronchitis, acute bronchitis. It's still there a little bit in my voice. I got a deeper voice here. This chapter, I really enjoyed writing. Um, and I mean, this is really when it begins to be a love story. And it's kind of an unconventional love story, obviously. Abelia is a lot older, at least 20 years older than Robert is. And of course, with the conventions of the time, this was rather unusual. It was not unusual to have it the other way around, older men, younger women. And I didn't want to go that route for this story. I wanted to kind of turn that typical love story on its head and set it in a time when this is completely unconventional and would not be something that uh, people in a small town would look upon as being a good thing. And so that is beginning here as well. And set in 1917, you know, uh, I had to learn a little bit about the conventions of the time. This is a period of time when people refer to each other not in the informal. And so um, when Abelia calls Robert by his first name, this is really the first time that that happens. And later, Robert responds in a similar way. And I didn't want to make a big deal about it the second time or even mention it because now it's going to become a thing. Once it's done, you can't really at all go back. So in the next chapter, 
of Lilac Wine, we are going back to the war. Robert's going to have one of his dreams again. And um, yeah, so we're going to hear that. And Robert's going to really kind of wonder, begin to wonder what these dreams mean. And he's going to have a conversation with Art now about the war. Uh, The war is going to become more and more important to the story because we have the 4th of July celebration coming up. And uh, Ellie has something planned for that. And it has something to do with Liberty Bonds. That's right. So thank you for listening. If you haven't done so, go to lilacwinenovel.com and sign up for our mailing list. As the summer comes, I'm going to be picking names and sending you a T-shirt, a special Lilac Wine T-shirt that I am making Hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions or comments too, please email me and I will answer them on the pod. Uh, Maybe read your comments too. Would love to hear what you think. Until next week, I am Bruce Janu. And once again, thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by Bell Book and Camera Productions. Visit bellbookcamera.com for more information. Lilac Wine is written and produced by me, Bruce David Janu. All content is copyrighted and cannot be used without expressed written permission. If you are liking Lilac Wine, the podcast, please take a moment and give us a rating on iTunes. That will help us gain more listeners. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as well. The intro voiceover was provided by my colleague and friend, Rachel Vissing. We work together on another podcast at the school where we both work. That podcast is We Are EG and tells the stories of students and staff at Elk Grove High School, but demonstrates that no matter where you are, we all have something in common. Check that podcast out at weareg.org and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. All music and sound effects are licensed through audioblocks.com. Please visit Lilac Wine Novel to join the discussion. Ask me questions, make comments. The purpose of Lilac Wine, the podcast, is to discuss the creative process. Your comments and suggestions are greatly appreciated. Thank you for listening.